Hello and welcome. It's the pleasure of Power to Change to present Family Life Today each week, Monday through Friday at this time. We'd love you to contact this station and tell them how much you appreciate hearing Family Life Today. Well, let's get started on today's edition. So we're talking about work today, how we operate in our workspace. And I did a little research just okay. yesterday. I did not know this. A 2021 Microsoft survey said that 41% of the current workforce is planning to quit their jobs this year. Hmm. 41%. I mean, that's, I mean, I was astounded. I thought it'd be 10%, 20%. And then, uh, Gallup did a poll before the pandemic that found that 85% of employees are unengaged at work. That Mm -hmm. didn't surprise me as much. Yeah, me neither. Yeah. But 41% plan on getting, you know what that creates in me? This insecurity as a wife, as a mom, like, what are we going to do? You know, and I'm not saying that's just men that are doing it, but a lot of women are thinking, I want out of here. Because Do you think it's because they don't enjoy all I know place. is I just heard you better keep working. That's what you just said to me. That's all I heard. That's all I got. We'll hear um, from that. It's like, okay, honey, no, I'm not going to lose my job. No, I'm speaking for myself, too. <laughs> well, mm. we're going to talk about today, and we've got our good friend Tim Kimmel, Dr. Tim Kimmel, mm-hmm. in the studio with us, and your friend uh, Michael Tooker is with you as well, and you guys have written a book on this. So, first of all, just welcome to Family Life today. Thank you. Thank you for having Glad us. Glad to be here. Always yeah, love circling good. back with you. Yeah, and it's interesting, you know, obviously, you've written a lot of books on marriage. Marriage, mm-hmm. family, parenting. This one's on work. Yeah. And it's called Grace at Work. The subtitle is The Secret to Getting More from Your Job Than a Paycheck. Mm-hmm. And isn't that what we all want? We want yeah, to love our right. work. We do. So but, how did this uh, collaboration happen? How do you two know each other? Well, so the way we met is kind of an interesting story. So mm-hmm. uh, my wife and I uh, met Tim about the same time I met Christ. We, we stumbled into a marriage class at our church and uh, Things were on fire, and not a good fire, as we described, but it was more of the car fire or the dumpster fire. Right? Oh, in your marriage? In my, in my marriage and my life. Uh, I was a kind of a recovering workaholic and had uh, kind of driven my career into the ditch, if you will. Mm. And so uh, some good friends invited us into church and uh, had a chance to start learning about who is Christ and what does he want for my life and the fact that he wanted my life at all. And, How old uh, were you, Michael? I was uh Let's see, 34 at the time. So I, uh, came, that's how I met Tim. Tim was a teacher of this marriage enrichment class. And how many so, years ago? Uh, this was about 18 years ago. Wow. And so yeah. the cool thing was, at, at the same time, uh, I'm coming to know Christ and giving my life over to Christ and learning about God's grace. I'm, I'm under the, the teaching of this guy. And, and he was kind of unpacking what is God's grace because it's a lot of different facets to it. And so I was mm-hmm. so taken by it mm-hmm. that uh, uh, eventually I went and worked for Tim to Grace-Based Families. Mm-hmm. And what I kept hearing there, and Tim had heard this for years, I think, was people that had seen this message of God's grace transform their marriage and their, their families were saying, hey, I, I work too. I have this workplace. And do you have a translation of this for, for the workplace? Mm-hmm. And so Tim and I had coffee about a year after I left. And I said, hey, I feel like I've got this burden to to do this book. And he said, well, then do it. Write a book. Mm-hmm. So that, yeah. was, that was how that it kind of started. You know, when I first met them, they came into this class and I looked at his wife and all I saw in her eyes were rage. Wow. And their marriage was on life support. Mm. But some friends just loved them enough mm. to just say, no, we're not giving up on you guys and we don't want you to give up on each other. But there was a big void in their life. Neither of them knew Jesus. Yeah. And they came to know Christ. And then just unpacking what God's applied grace looks like. Because grace is usually kept in a conceptual level, very abstract. It's something that saves us. And then we kind of stop it right there. 
And no, he said, no, the grace I saved you with, I meant to wash over you and completely retrofit you and redefine you and, and become the default mode of how you deal with everybody from here on out. And so we were unpacking that for them. But this man here has, from the beginning, he was uh, brought up in a family. His father was a CEO of a Fortune 50 company. Mm-hmm. He had a front row seat to the, the high level thin air of executive marketplace. Mm-hmm. And he was prepared to do that same thing. And he came out of um, his MBA like a rocket. And he went to the top so fast. We also went to the top with all the values and the priorities that so many people go that are that are empty and bankrupt and and uh, one dimensional and it, and it got them like it gets so many people. Yeah, Michael was one of the things going on in your life that time because it, it re- definitely relates to this book, Grace at Work. Was it the work life? As Tim just said, man, you're in the you're in the lead air. Did that really affect your marriage? Oh, for sure. I mean, that's, and we were at, then we, we started having kids, right? So you, you take mm-hmm. career. And what I found was I was really wired in a particular way and I was trying to perform the way the world, at least the way I thought the world wanted me to or needed me to, to climb the ladder and keep doing jobs with more responsibility and more obligation. And, and so I, I found myself kind of dumping my friends, dumping my hobbies, dumping my fitness, dumping my mm-hmm. health, dumping my marriage because it, I became so singularly focused on myself. And trying to manage this facade that at, at some point, um, you know, when the wheels finally came off and literally the moment when I, I uh, cried out to Christ was my wife and I had been going to counseling and it was two o'clock in the morning uh, in uh, August of 04. I think it was August around there. And she said, you know what, Michael, she said, I, I don't I don't love you anymore. I don't even like you. Mm-hmm. She said, when you're here, you're, you're almost never here. When you are here, you're just a jerk to me. Would you just leave? Just make this easy on me and go. Mm-hmm. And that was the moment when I realized, man, I, I've squandered this great life. I, as I was coming to realize that God had this life, that all, everything good in my life had come from him, and I blew it. And I, and, I, and I was that guy, right, that I could fix anything, solve anything. And what I realized was I got nothing. Mm-hmm. And so that's when I literally fell out of bed, cried out to God and said, mm-hmm. God, I don't, I don't know who you are really, but I know I've blown it and I, I need help and I'll follow you if you'll have me. I mean, it's beautiful to me to think, you know, as a pastor for 30 years, yeah. we're always trying to get our congregation to invite people, yeah, mm-hmm. right. invite your yeah. neighbors. Yeah. And somebody just invited you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And here invited you are. Him. And he'd been inviting me for three years really? he, because he saw mm-hmm. that he was a buddy that I was going to grad school when my roommate was in law school. And this was a law school buddy of my roommate. And he just kind of took a liking to me, and he just kept saying, hey, why don't you and your wife come to this? Because he, he saw what was starting to happen. Yeah. And Because uh, it happened you know, pretty quick, and he just kept mm-hmm. pursuing me. And, and finally, when the wheels came out, I, I don't know what to do, but I called Andy, and I'm like, hey, Andy, I'll, that thing you were inviting me to, my <laughs> wife and I'd like to go. Yeah. Dennis Rainey used to have this statement that God picks up crooked sticks and draws straight lines with yeah. him all the time. Mm-hmm. And I have to give some credit on how he used... Michael's wife in this because, Mm -hmm. see, Mm -hmm. we knew a lot of people who, like them, had had this really meteoric trajectory to the top of the uh, the heap in the business world and the paychecks to show for it and the privileges to go for it. And the marriage was bankrupt and empty, but they just accepted that. Mm. And they basically became roommates with occasional benefits. But other than that, there's no love story being written. I appreciate the fact that his wife said no. Mm-hmm. I'm not accepting this. Yeah. And mm-hmm. we've got a problem here. Mm-hmm. And you're going to lose your kids. And you're going to lose me. And you're going to lose everything. And he, she's not talking about money. She's talking about 
anything their meaningful. Life, their relationship. And I just so appreciate the fact that she said, this isn't going to work. We've got to do something. Yeah, and, and well, it's a turning point. I mean, uh, well, Michael, you don't know our story. Yeah, but I was just going to say, thing that is exactly, I mean, is Dave's it? in ministry, mm-hmm. building this church that's just growing leaps and bounds. It's just taking off. Mm-hmm. And now I'm competing with not only his job, but with God, right. because he's doing it for right. God. Right. But I think what you're talking about is what so many of us face in your 30s. People are building their careers. That's They're right. going for it. Mm-hmm. We face it as women, but with men, it feels like you've left us behind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We sure. don't matter. You mm-hmm. don't see us. You don't care about us mm-hmm. because you're just chasing your dream. And I felt that about Dave. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I said the same thing. Mm-hmm. I've got nothing. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. That was a turning point yeah. for me. Here, mm-hmm. Here's a question I want to ask yeah. you guys. Yeah. I know we're going to talk yeah. about work, yeah. but we're talking about grace and mm-hmm. marriage. And here's the question. You know, Jim Collins, good, great. Yep. Years ago, mm-hmm. I read it because I'm a pastor. I'm mm-hmm. like, I want a great yeah. church, not a good church. But I think I'm remembering right. He's one of the guys that said you can't have both. Mm-hmm. You can't have a great work mm-hmm. career and a great marriage. You've sort of mm-hmm. got to choose. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of them, they're counting on that. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. right. We, t- we tell a story in the book about a guy who I was out fishing with him, and I knew him very well. He uh, sold high-end uh, memory for big computers for like the IRS, uh, Library of Congress, NASA. When payday came, you know, it was a big, big, big yeah. number. And I think he drew $1,800 a month with your, your draw and then everything's going to be commissions. But he says, he, as I was asking about it, he says, yeah, I'm kind of an anomaly. I go contrary to what my managers would prefer. I said, what are you talking about? He said, well, my uplines would prefer that we all have a mansion, that our kids all go to private school, that we all have a second home in the mountains or at the beach, that we buy brand new cars and lease brand new cars every year. And they would prefer that we're divorced hmm. and on a second marriage. They want us to have an OK marriage, but they they like a divorce. And, and I said, what are you talking about? He said, well, they never say it out loud, but they. Because they want us hungry. They want all of you. Oh. Yeah. And they know, I've got you. <laughs> and he had a great marriage. He lived in a nice home, but it wasn't, you know, he owned it free and clear. <laughs> and he left the office at 5 o'clock every day, no yeah. matter what's what's going on. And, they, I mean, this is a high-end company. Yeah. But the reason they put up with him is because he was either one or two in sales every year. Yeah. Well, that's the question for you guys. Can you have both? Because we have listeners right now going, I'm killing it at work, mm-hmm. but I can't have a great marriage. It's just you got to sacrifice somewhere. But I'm looking at two very successful guys. Mm-hmm. Can you have both? Who have great I, families. I would mm-hmm. say, yeah, you can have both, but it's hard to have both. Right? Mm-hmm. And it has to be a very intentional thing. And and, and what I, I say, what happened to me and also I, I, what I see happen to a lot of people, and it sounds like even in your story to some mm-hmm. extent, right, is – uh, there's this this man who adores this woman. Just there was this great love story, as Tim mm-hmm. talks about, when they fell in love, and there, it was you know this idyllic situation. And great, I've met the love of my life, and then you both set out on this journey, and we have all these norms and expectations and things we have to live up to. And so I think we we pursue those things, and at some point, if we pursue them too much and too aggressively and too you know maniacally, we wake up like I did and realize what have I done. Because mm-hmm. I th- I thought I was trying to be a, a, a noble man in her eyes, and that meant climbing the ladder and get the good title. And I'm and providing for I'm my providing, family. I'm doing something that's mm-hmm. whether it's whether it's in God's name or just what what society says is is what a man should do. And so then you wake up one day and you realize I'm not really loving what I'm doing, and I'm mm-hmm. destroying this thing I do love. 
and sometimes you know, in our case we were almost too far gone and fortunately to Tim's point my wife said enough you know we're going to fix this mm-hmm. and you know Christ he boned my life at the intersection of whatever success and you know ego and fortunately we were able to then step back and say okay let's rewrite the script here so I think you can have it both but did I, you quit your job? I did I walked away Mm-hmm. You quit we were, your we, job. We were in counseling, and he said, look, you got to make your own decision, but this is not working for you. One of the last jobs I had as things were coming un- unwound, I was living in Phoenix with the staff in Manhattan, going to New York 35 times a year for four days a week. Wow. And so I was never – and we're having a kid. We just had a baby. And so mm-hmm. I'm never home. And so, well, how are you going to make that work? This woman, you know, she needs you. She's trying to raise a baby. Mm-hmm. And so I think you ask a really good question, Dave, is you can have it both, but you got to work really hard. Can I weigh in on that, too? There are all kinds of people who are successfully uh, knocking them dead in the marketplace and also coming home and thriving. Mm -hmm. But there's a deliberateness about it. Mm -hmm. And like talking about you, you guys' marriage, you were writing a love story with this church you were trying to build, Mm -hmm. but you weren't writing one with your wife. Right. When we get married, we sign up to write a love story. Now, we've all read love stories, and there's some rough chapters in any love story. But the thing that I think sets a a love story apart is there's a commitment to maintain pursuit Hmm. of that other person's heart. And you can do that and still do well at work. But when work tries to put those kind of things on you, you just have to make some hard decisions. Mm -hmm. Most of the time when people just say to the to the people, if, if that's what you're asking, you want me to sacrifice the permanent here, my family, on the altar of the immediate you, then I choose my family. Mm. And usually they back down because the reason they even wanted that, because they wanted you Yeah. Mm. anyway. Yeah. But I also think we do well in both is when we actually work hard in both. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Michael, was yeah. it worth it quitting your job? Oh, without a doubt. Absolutely was worth it. I look at the work that God has done in in my life and in my marriage and in my family, and I think about how how that story could have played out Mm -hmm. and how it did play out. I think that's why why I'm so passionate about God's grace is I I don't deserve to have the family that I do, the marriage that I do, Mm -hmm. to have such joy at at home and have such contentment at work. I don't don't deserve that. Mm -hmm. By the way, he he walked from that job, but ultimately he got another job. He he does well at whatever he does. Yeah, what are you doing now? And so he he went to that job. Then from there, we brought him into our ministry for four years. Mm to build a, a dimension of our ministry. And mainly his job was to love people. We mm-hmm. need you to go love these people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was in the process. You can mm-hmm. tell the story how mm-hmm. you started to see how we're running the ministry. Yeah, um, yeah so so uh, like I mentioned before, when I, I met Tim, right? So he's I'm, I'm, Christ is getting a hold of me. I'm learning about these many facets of grace. And then I go work in an environment where all that is lived out and played out with the staff. What and, was that like? Was it different? It was great. I mean, I could tell you stories about Tim for sure. <laughs> I mean, I worked closely with him for four years. Mm-hmm. But uh, but no, it was really great. I mean, the staff, there was such camaraderie. And, mm-hmm. and you know, we talk about in the book how we had to do hard things, right? We still expected p- people were expected to do their job. And sometimes we had to have hard conversations. And, you know, sometimes we're human. So right, we're just grumbling and we you know, mm-hmm. disagree at times, but just the way that the staff and under Tim's leadership just worked through that, it felt very different than any workplace, right, that I had been in, mm-hmm. in previously. And so that was, I think, was kind of the seed of, mm-hmm. hey, what is this whole grace message? Like, I, I, I see it in parenting, I see it in marriage, and now I'm experiencing it in a mm-hmm. workplace. And then when people would say, hey, you need the translation, because this, you think this would work in my office? Well, yeah, I know he, it works. I remember right? him yeah. talking to me about it. He said, boy, you know, 
I didn't realize. I thought this is something that you are just trying to help people with their marriage and their parenting. Mm-hmm. But this ministry is a culture of God's grace here. Well, I'm thinking all ministries should be that. <laughs> all, all churches should be that. It's not that they're nothing great about us. We're just like everybody else. But, it, but then he started, I wonder if this could work mm-hmm. in the hard-nosed mm-hmm. industry. And then we had a guy in our church who was also in that class. Mm-hmm. And he is a brilliant CEO. He's the kind of guy that is brought into companies that are have enormous upside potential but are struggling. Mm-hmm. And he writes the ship. He gets everybody that in the right seats, get the people off that don't belong, or brings new people on. And he brings the thing up, and then it, and then it's sold, and then he makes a ton of money just by the stocks that they gave him. And he's a brilliant guy. Well, then mm-hmm. he started talking to him about this company he was coming into, and he needed a guy like Michael. And they started talking about, I wonder (laughs) if Mm -hmm. we could create a culture of grace and that company that has nothing to do with the church or ministry or Jesus or anything else. Mm -hmm. And so they started doing this. And then as we Mm -hmm. talked more, this is transferable. Well, yeah. And what was interesting about that CEO who I met in that enrichment class that that, right when we stumbled in. So David, his name's David and uh, David and I had known each other for a long time. And so he, as he was thinking about this company and what he wanted to create, he wanted to recast the corporate values. And one of the values that he picked was lead with grace. Hmm. And I remember it was funny when we had the, his executive team together and, and he was kind of unveiling the values. And then we were going to start to try to kind of define them and wrestle with them. And he pulled me aside and he said, I want you to lead the breakout session on grace because I don't know that anyone would know what it is. And the funny thing was we, we get uh, there's maybe five of us together and people started Googling grace. You know, because because this was it was a non-Christian yeah. workplace, and so many people, you know, everybody's heard the word, they've heard the songs, <laughs> but they don't really know what it is. So David asked me to lead it because he said, I know you know what it is because of this model that came out of, you know, grace-based families. And so that was kind of the start of, in a true workplace, trying, effectively, David anointed me and said, hey, be the champion of grace and that value at our company. Mm-hmm. And so coupling this desire to take this message into the workplace, working at a company in a more senior level where we had the ability to actually pattern it and influence it uh, and teach on it and just be an ambassador for it. It was kind of the perfect storm to mm-hmm. really a test kitchen or laboratory for what is grace at work? I was there for about seven and a half years and really wrestling with it real time, testing some things and saying, no, that's not it. Or no, that doesn't work in a secular mm-hmm. uh, you know, workplace. But what we really landed on is, is what, what is in the book is just mm-hmm. kind of the stuff we've tested in the marketplace. And it's, it's really worked and, and I've really seen it transform lives and change cultures and, and really bless people. And the good news is the model that we outline in the book for what God's applied grace looks like in the marketplace is the same one. Mm-hmm. It looked just like it would in your marriage, just like it would in your parenting relationship, just like the church would have. Because this isn't some little formula that Tim and Michael came. This this is the heart of Jesus. What would you say to the husband? And maybe it's the wife who's listening and they're like, I'm where Michael was. Mm -hmm. I'm a workaholic. My job is great, but it's Mm -hmm. really hurting the most important thing in my life, which is Mm -hmm. my marriage and my family. I'm not sure what to do. Yeah. What would you say to him? Mm-hmm. Either one of you or both of you. Well, well, let me come back to a principle I just mentioned, because it's one of those principles that I have found in my life. If I don't pay attention to this one, it will deal with me one way or the other. Never sacrifice the permanent on the altar of the immediate. Mm-hmm. It's just the way life is. And so it, think about our, our health. 
if we're just doing things that are neglecting our health, it's not if, it's yeah. when. To not do the hard things that need to be done on behalf of that relationship, it's going to cost you so much more. One of the points we make in the book is we stop and say, look, I know what you're thinking. Wait a minute. That sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> and we say, yes, it is. But there's something harder. And that is if you don't do this. Mm-hmm. Same thing, Michael? Yeah, I think a, a big thing is just come to grips with the fact that you're probably trying to get something out of your job that it's not designed to give you. Mm-hmm. And we talk about that in the book quite a bit. And really, then what do you do about that? I think what you do is two things. One is really chase after God and commit to serve others. There's three ways we can, we can look up, we can look out, or we can look in. And what I find many times is people that are really frustrated with their situation are looking too much inwardly, and they're not happy with what they're getting from life or their job or their marriage or their whatever. But if you start to say, I'm going to look up at God and pursue him, and I'm going to look out at others and serve them, that just changes things. It, it takes the attention off yourself, and it puts it where it should rightly be. And over time, then that completely changes the trajectory of your life. One of the things I had to realize as a pastor or you know, a man in ministry is loving others. The most important ones were right at my kitchen table. Mm-hmm. Amen. Because I was committed to the Great Commission, making disciples, and I had to be reminded the most important disciples mm-hmm. are literally sitting in your home. Yeah. They're not out there. I'm not that they don't matter. They do matter. But the workplace matters. The work, our my fellow employees mm-hmm. matter. But Tim's right. The permanent mm-hmm. is your family's really it's more important than the immediate. We want to thank David and Wilson and their team for another edition of Family Life today. Although our programs are produced in America. The issues facing families like forgiveness, communication and taking care of our kids transcend national borders. These issues profoundly affect relationships everywhere. In Australia, family life is known as power to change and our mission is to effectively develop godly families, the kind of families that change the world one home at a time. A key part of our mission includes strengthening marriages and families all around the world. We want to do whatever we can to bring timeless truths to the challenges you face as you seek to strengthen your family and join us in changing the world. Does your marriage need a tune-up or perhaps a bit of an overhaul? Come to A Day Together, our one-day marriage conference that focuses on helping couples develop oneness in their marriage. For a list of dates and locations near you, see our website at families.powertochange.org.au. Until tomorrow, God's blessings.